Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. This is Chris and I am here with Ryan and we are talking about Hebrews, a very well-known passage, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, very commonly known as the Faith Hall of Fame. So uh, I think this is a really great chapter to begin with, but I enjoyed it even more kind of in light of God's whole story, because we're seeing so much of this whole story of scripture in this chapter. What did you think, Ryan? Uh, It's kind of neat. Like this is, if you're listening to this on track, uh, it's December 20th today. Um, So it's kind of fitting. I mean, we're, we're 10 days away from the end of this, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of fitting that there's like sort of this epilogue to what we're reading, kind of. Um, that just tracks the whole story. I mean, yeah. it is. Um, it actually hits me in a little bit different way. I don't know if this is what you were alluding to already or not. Um, but it's like, I always heard this as the, like the Faith Hall of Fame. Sure. Oh, like you go here and you see this incredible, you know, it's encouraging. Um, it's kind of like this really short summary of what God has done. So it's like, oh man, I'm like, I read this. I'm like pumped up. I can't wait to serve God. But in the context of the book of Hebrews, uh, where really the writer appears to be pushing back pretty strongly on a kind of this Jewish understanding of life. I think he's using this as a way to say like, hey, we need to have faith in Christ, people. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we're we not going to go and do, you know, we're not saved by our practices. Yeah. We're not saved by our sacrifices. We're not saved by the, the decisions that we make and the groups of people that we're with. We're saved by faith in Christ. In fact, one of the things I noticed that really caught my attention, never has before, um, it, this is Hebrews eleven twenty four. It's a little bit of a lengthy thing, but I'm taking it from the top. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ hmm. than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the great reward. Christ is inserted there. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. And there's a number of other people that when they're talked about, it talks about them looking forward to something they actually never received. And so it's like they're they're putting their faith in Christ without full revelation of what I'm, that is going to be. I'm guessing Moses had no idea who Jesus was. Yeah. I mean, I think he had an idea that there from the Genesis and from different things, like there's a promise that one day Something's a Messiah coming. will come, yeah. one who will reverse the curse of sin, death, and the enemy. Uh, but yeah, details, no, definitely didn't have details. We've, we've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, but it can get confusing if you get bogged down into the system of sacrifice. Like, wait a minute. So how did people in the Old Testament get saved? And how did people in the New Testament get saved? This passage would indicate that it everybody's getting saved by faith in the promise. So these... And the fulfillment of the promise is Christ. It's Christ. So, so we can actually say even Old Testament believers yes, put their faith in Christ. They're having faith forward. We're having yep. faith backward. Like everybody has faith in that redemptive moment that is Christ's death and resurrection. Which uh, is helpful because since Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the yeah. life, no one comes to the Father it except through me. It means he's not lying. All encompassing. <laughs> a Jesus who lies is not a Jesus that we want, right? Oh, so, our God who does not lie. Yes. We just read that not too long ago. Yeah, I I enjoyed this too. I think um, it's pretty cool too when you, uh, one of the things I always like to do is you look at this as, wow, these guys had such amazing faith and all that. But then you can actually, if you reflect back on some of their stories. Yeah, I thought that too. Like you mentioned, you know, all, 
I mean, with the exception of Enoch, because we don't have a whole lot about him, all these guys have a bit of a dark side. And some of them actually, I read some of these names and I'm like, how did these guys even make this list? Like, if you aren't familiar with Jephthah, he's not a good guy. Like, how did he make this list? And it's just, it's a great reminder. This isn't a lifestyle hall of fame. This isn't a holiness hall of fame. This is about faith and faith in Christ. And that's pretty powerful. Uh, The writer of Hebrews, though, is not leaving holiness out of this equation. Because that's coming in the next in the right. next breath, literally. I, like. I noticed that too, actually. So it is it is that good balance, I guess you could say, or blend of yeah. you've got the faith passage and then you've got a call to holiness. Uh, I'm a huge fan of context. So this is a great passage to prove how important context is. If you just read Hebrews 11 every day, just the first half, you think like, all I have to do is believe. But if you read the second half, you're going to be like, oh, I have to also live a holy life. But the same way, uh, if you only believe, read the holiness part, then you're like, it's all about me. Yeah. Not, okay, Jesus is bigger. My salvation is bigger than my successes and failures. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, it's both. Uh, the same rule applies today as has applied the past several days. I really do encourage you, if you don't normally stick around for the reading, please stick around for the reading. Uh, this would be a great passage to go back and read for yourself. Um, there's there's a lot in here. There's a lot to digest. Uh, but it's super, super valuable, this book of Hebrews. I'm kind of seeing it with all new eyes. It's just like, man, I need to dive into this thing a lot deeper than I ever have. Um, but it, it's it's good stuff. Um, do you want to talk about discipline at all? Like this whole, like, God disciplines his children that he loves? It seems like we probably shouldn't leave that. Yeah. Um, again, that's one of the – that people can swing to extremes on that, too. Uh-huh. Like, there's no discipline or God's always just slapping us around and punishing us and – all of these things. I think the one thing that is important to see this, like this discipline, when you look at it, it, it's not like he's putting you in timeout or he's punishing you or like it's to train. It's to, um, it's motivated by love. Mm-hmm. It's motivated with a, a growth mi- mindset here. Just even, I think as we remember back when Paul would do some church discipline, it was always motivated by love and and with a hope of restoration. Mm -hmm. And I would say he was reflecting some of this characteristic of God. I also think like if you're, if you're following Jesus, if you're doing your best to follow Jesus, it seems like there's always these instances of discipline that that might not be like these giant stories of like, yeah, I got called out and then I got in trouble. Like it could actually (laughs) just be like God's consistently revealing to you through other people. Like, Oh, this is a, a area of weakness for me. Um, I feel like I have those periods a lot. <laughs> um, but it, it is kind of neat when you think about it in terms of, like, this is God's love for me mm. to kind of help reveal to me how I can be set on a better path, how I can reflect him better. Because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to be like Jesus. And how, how in the world are we ever going to be like Jesus if people aren't correcting us? Mm. We need people around us that can see our, our flaws. And, you know, sometimes... Sometimes that's a pretty intense co- confrontation, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's somebody that loves you saying, like, hey, you know, I think you could do this better. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's good stuff to think about. All right. Fantastic. Do your homework. Go back and read Hebrews. Uh, and, you know, just ask yourself, who's in your life that's allowed to speak into your life that can help you reflect Jesus better? Hmm. I think it's a pretty valuable thing. That would be a great application point for today. Yeah. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Hebrews chapter 11, starting verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. 
Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and that God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel was long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even he, when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren, and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for a future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. 
By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went on wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the, like of, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that's, that which so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has placed before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this defined discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that you who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out, that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, 
the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, their earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.